You're listening to TechNado. Welcome and thanks for joining us for another episode of TechNado. I am one of your hosts, Sophie Goodwin. And before we jump in, I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of TechNado, ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. As a reminder, you can use that code TECHNADO30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. Once again, I'm Sophie. And as you probably know, if you've been here before, I'm not alone. I have... Well, the master of ceremonies here next to me, Don. How are you today? I am doing great. We got a cool week set up for us. I I had a hard time paring down our security articles because literally everyone got hacked last week, and uh, uh, yeah, and that that's pretty much the status of that. But uh, but we got a good show. Everyone but us got <laughs> hacked last week. Put that put that uh, disclaimer. Well, I I don't want to speak for everybody. Daniel, you didn't get hacked yeah, last week, did you? Yeah, yeah, I got totally hacked. <laughs> <laughs> hacked three, four different ways easily. I'm sure. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and you take pride in that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we love you for that. Hey, those fishing links are just too darn tantalizing. <laughs> you you got to know, like, what's on the other end of that link? Right. I, it I could be to know. awesome. Is that why they call it fishing? Because it's like dangling a worm on a hook? There you go. I cannot believe the penny just dropped for me on that one. Are you for real in this? I'm, I hope you're I'm, totally I thought she was joking. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if that's not the case, then we have done a poor, poor job at teaching you here, my no, girl. No, no, no. I, I will say the, what was it? I think vishing took a little bit for me to understand because I, I thought it was mm. like video chat fishing. And then I realized it was supposed to be like VoIP and, yes. or voice fishing or whatever. So then, then it made sense. Um, but no. yeah. Highly effective technique, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You don't say. Right. You can talk a lot of people into doing a lot of dumb stuff. I, I used to follow this um, uh, hacker, I guess, uh, Jason Street is his name. And that's basically his job. He's like, I, I hooked up with uh, another social engineer guy, and we, we were going to go after this bank. Because they got hired by banks and stuff to ch- test their security. Mm-hmm. And they basically just walk in and start plugging in rubber duckies everywhere. Yeah, it's fun. And the guy was like, yeah, let's get these uniforms and we'll pose as this. And we'll sell. he's like, why can't we just go in and be charming? <laughs> he goes, I get a lot of rubber duckies installed that way. Let's just do that. I was like, yeah, he's got a point. Yeah, you got to hmm. save on the uniform bill. Yeah, I mean, Don, we, we've worked in, you know, different various support roles in, in our careers. Mm-hmm. I can talk a lot of people into doing a bunch of dumb stuff. And they just go, yeah, because you sound like. You speak with confidence and with authority, and they just go, okay. You know, uh, I've, I've noticed this. I think it's a paradox. Uh, I don't yeah. want to be like Alanis Morissette and use <laughs> irony wrong, yeah. but uh, I, I think this is a paradox where if there's a building that has secured entry, right, so like right. key card entry, you would think that would make the building more secure. But if you can get past the key carded door and get in the building, everybody just assumes you're supposed to be there. Like, well, Got past the door. Yep. Must, it's supposed to be here. So you you practically have free roam of a building at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take notes. And if I ever install a key card reader on my front door at home, then I will keep that in mind. Well, plus, nobody wants to confront anyone. Yeah. I yeah. revel in it. Like I <laughs> like I remember one of my first jobs as like a youth, right? It was I worked at a like a, a drugstore and you know, I was working the cashier and this this lady come up and she was like, I want my money back on this item. I was like, Cool, where's your receipt? I don't have one. I go, well, you got to have a receipt. That's how this works. She's like, no, I don't. I go, yeah, you kind of do. And she was getting upset. I'm like, I'm not returning anything without a receipt. I, it's, your manager let me do it last time. I'm like, you better get her because <laughs> this guy ain't doing it. And of course, <laughs> manager comes over and she immediately just returned. I'm like, are you kidding me? You just yeah. hung me out to drive the with principle this of the Yeah, thing. right. Come on. Yeah. And then like the next day we got 
like message from corporate saying there's people in your area running around <laughs> stealing without receipts. They steal from one area and then they take it to another one and they do a return and get the money. Yep. And Ooh. yeah. And that's a thing that still happens today. Absolutely. Mm. I feel so. like we should add a new segment that's just stories from all the jobs that Daniel's had because I've had it's, a lot. It's yeah, it's always fun to the, the, from transporting the rocket ships to I mean just everything that you've done. So <laughs> maybe we'll we'll look at in, uh, instituting a new segment for that soon. But for now, we've got some tech news to jump into. So before you we know, get before we get too far, I just noticed we have a fourth visitor on our podcast, and and normally I wouldn't mention this, but it's going to distract you guys the whole show. So Sweet. I feel like I need to. We have a lizard on our oh. window right there, <laughs> I see his little, and not not his like outside the studio. He's right there in the studio. You want me to get him? <laughs> huh. You want me to uh, capture him and bring him to the, to the why table? Why don't we wait and see okay. what his feedback will be on our first article, and we'll go from there. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll grab him during the break. He's we'll have like, to see. It's cold outside. See, now, now that you pointed out, that's all I'm going to be able to see. So yeah. you, exactly. You, you yeah. might have done the opposite. <laughs> She's just staring at us. So here at it's Microsoft. Just, has the <laughs> it's just his little feet that you can see on the yeah. side. It's not, yeah. but wow, good eye. I would not yeah. have noticed that. Well, this first, uh, this first piece of news that we've got here is uh, in the cloud space. We're actually pulling this right from the Google blog. It is a Google Workspace update that says beginning September 30th, 2024, third-party apps that use only a password to access Google accounts and Google Sync will no longer be supported. So what does this mean? Like third-party apps where you can use your Google username and password to sign into stuff? Sure. So I, it, it, it's actually anything. Anything that uses Google authentication, what they're, what they're doing is they're saying, look, we are going all in on OAuth. Okay. And we want people to be able to use multi-factor authentication. OAuth is a big part of that with Google. We need that support. And so anywhere that you have a system that is able to access a Google process just using username and password, that's going to get cut off. And there, there's going to be two phases of this. It's going to start in June for some things, and then it'll fully roll out in September. Now, when I first glanced at this, I didn't think much about it, right? Uh because I was like, hey, we almost all have multi-factor authentication at this point. The mobile apps have all been updated. It's you know, it's just not it's not an issue, right? Um, so I, I kind of put it behind me, and then it was the next day that I was just thinking about some other stuff, and I was like, wait a minute, I know something where this will have a big impact, and that's for people that use IMAP and Pop access to their Gmail accounts. Right, because there's no 2FA for that stuff. Right, and there are a lot of people that use application-specific passwords or or other types of authentication to access those. And, you know, maybe you use a secure mail system like Proton and uh, or Proton Mail, right? Mm -hmm. and, and some of those systems support logging into your Gmail account and bringing the email in, and they do that with just a username and password combination. Other systems, you, you might just have forwarders set up to do that or whatever, mm -hmm. but... There are plenty of third-party email clients like Canine Mail on Android and, and those where they default to just username and password. That's going to stop working. And so I'm, most of it is, is a non-issue for people, but specifically POP3 and IMAP4 access to Gmail boxes, that's going to really, really be the area where you see impact on this. So if, if you don't use those, you don't care about this, right. it's not a big deal. But if you do use those, you've you've got about six months to, to come up with a, a backup plan. Well, the question then becomes, are those providers going to go, hey, you're right, we haven't been doing 2FA because, eh, whatever. We don't really, you know, it's not been a thing, but now it's a thing. You think that they are going to start implementing design changes so that 2FA is now a factor in their uh, product? I, I would hope so, but I don't think it's going to happen, right? And, yeah. and you, know, you have to think about 
POP3 and, and IMAP4, right? Those protocols are really, really old and they have not changed in 30 years, right? Uh, you, know, you hear POP3, all right, so there was POP1 and POP2. So sure, back in the 1980s, they they progressed. But once we got into the mid-1990s, once POP3, I, I forget when POP3 released, yeah. but I believe it was early 90s, that's it. That's frozen in time. It has not changed in 30 years. IMAP4, same way. You think they'll just bolt on? 2FA some way instead of changing the protocol per se, but just adding some sort of functionality to the so they, side? They sort of did that by rolling in TLS, okay. right? So you have POP3 over TLS or you know over SSL, but the security is not a part of the protocol. So you've got to establish a tunnel first, and then you can transmit over it. Well, TLS doesn't do authentication unless you have full certificates. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and so most people just treat it like a normal web connection. TLS opens up temporary, and then IMAP or POP3 rolls over it. But if you want to stick authentication on it, now you're talking about changing the protocol. And these are our legacy protocols. And so on one hand, I could look at it and say, well, you know what? Screw it. That's it. This is the death knell for POP3 and IMAP4. But there's no good replacement for this, right? Gmail's proprietary is all hell. You go into their web page or use their app and you have no idea what language is talking in the background. Uh, Microsoft Outlook and uh, Microsoft Exchange or Office 365 they use their own, I forget what their protocol is called. Um, shoot, the messaging protocol. Darn it, it's got a name. Uh, I'll remember it later. Uh, <laughs> it's not POP3 and IMAP4. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know, do we want to go into a world where this is all proprietary stuff for mail clients? Mm. Like email is still important. So I feel like, yeah, it's time for a POP4 or an IMAP5, but I just don't know that anybody's willing to put in that work. You know, this seems like a very elaborate way to reduce the amount of spam that you get. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do get a surprising amount of spam from Gmail accounts. What I mean is you and, can't log, log in and see it. Oh, anymore. you just can't see it. <laughs> oh, you that's just true. cut off access. Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, is, it, is, a box, is a mailbox that exists but you can't access any different than no box at all? <laughs> you know, it's like all these people fighting the inbox zero. And yeah. all you have to do is create a rule that sends your email to the trash can. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Anybody can do inbox zero. It wasn't um, SMTP that you were thinking of, was it? No. 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 And okay. SMTP is not going anywhere anytime soon. That one, you know, because that, that's how email moves from server to server. Right. Uh, super important. But it it doesn't have OAuth built into it either. It relies on other things. So do you think that Google will just kind of like go, well, yeah, for the most part, we're going to do this. But there are some caveats we got to make, some, some exceptions, some enclaves for us to be able to allow certain services to continue to work until we figure out something different. Yeah, they've backed off of a number of things over the years mm -hmm. where they said, like, we're going to implement this. The, the cookie thing last year where mm -hmm. they were like, we're going to kill off third-party cookies. Um, they did delay it. They delayed it for over a year, but now they're moving forward with it again. So yeah. if they don't do this this summer, like they're saying, th they'll end up doing it eventually. Nothing yeah. like Google coming down ham-fisted and saying, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as a as a technology culture, we do need to recognize some of these protocols are wildly outdated and either need to be need to be updated or eliminated. If it ain't broke, Don. All right. Yeah. You could <laughs> you could make that argument. Yeah. How's that working out? <laughs> well this says they previously announced this stage five years ago in twenty nineteen. So I guess it's just just now they're implementing it and it's coming mm -hmm. to fruition. Um so yeah, I mean, I guess if this is something that you said, it, it's only certain users that are that are going to be impacted if they use you know those certain services. So I don't know that this will affect me because I don't know that I've ever used 
top three or I'm at four to, to access anything in my life ever. But maybe I should not start if it's not very secure anymore. Yeah. Well, where you're at risk is, you know, maybe you are using it somewhere and don't know it. Yeah. Right. right? You know, the, sometimes these services use it on the back end. And a lot of your like phone clients and things like that. Well, oh, that's how you connect is you do like an IMAP connection to get your email. If you don't have like the Gmail client installed. Mm. So how would I, something else. how would I know if I am using a service that does that? Is there you any way to know? From setting it up, like you would okay. recognize that. Okay. Yeah. You know, you look at your account settings and how they're defined. Cause a lot of times like on, on an iPhone, if you go and add your office 365 account, it, it, it'll say like you're connecting to an exchange server, even though it's Office right. 365, and that's using the exchange protocol that I cannot remember the name of. <laughs> and then, um, is it Mappy? Mappy? I don't know. It's something. Um, I'm Mappy. It, it uses a different <laughs> protocol. I'm a pippy. Uh, if you choose AOL, right? So let's say you've got an old AOL address because yeah. there's, there's lots <laughs> of those people out there. Um it will automatically populate those server names for you. So you don't, you don't see that. You don't know that it's connecting with IMAP or POP3. But then if you go back into the server settings afterwards, you can see where they're identified as that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, my, mappy. my concern. It's mappy. It is mappy. Yeah. All right. Look, I did remember. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the concern here, though, is once Google starts this ball rolling, hmm. will we see other companies doing the same? And so, like I mentioned, AOL. I think most of us know at least one person who is retirement age, who's had an AOL account forever, and they're not going to change it. They're going to have that AOL account until they die. Those are the people that are going to really be impacted by this as other companies start eliminating these protocols too. Now, now my brain's going. I'm like, okay, how could we keep it around? But like almost have like, what if we did something like a jump system to where you, I guess that's kind of what you were talking about where you have like a secure tunnel through TLS. Yeah, and like a you, VPN. Yeah, so, to where... Now I'm entering into a secure area where using those old protocols are fine, and I had to 2FA into that. But, mm. yeah, you have to build that, right? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'd be curious to know um, if any of y'all have any any opinions on that or if this is something that's going to affect you directly if you're concerned about it at all. So if you are watching from YouTube, feel free to leave a comment and let us know. Well, we'll, we'll jump into this next article here. This is uh, more, more on the Microsoft side of things. This comes to us from Tom's Hardware. It says, Microsoft sets 16 gigabyte default for RAM for AI PCs. Machines will also need 40 tops of AI compute. And this might be an obvious question for somebody that's more familiar with this stuff. What is tops? Uh, trillions of operations per second. Jeez. So when they say 40 tops, that means... The CPU used in that system needs to be able to do 40 trillion operations per second. And not necessarily the CPU, but whatever the AI chip is, uh, which could be the GPU in some systems. I didn't know they systems. were going to call the next version of Windows AI PCs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> right, it is getting a little ridiculous it is. how much RAM you need. It is. You know, so this morning I got in my AI car and I drove <laughs> yeah. to work on the AI highway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, companies are literally sticking the word AI on everything. Yeah. Uh, What's going on here, I think, is interesting on a few points. And you might have noticed, if you're new to computers, you might not have noticed this, but um, in the last 10 years, laptop and desktop hardware has not really advanced significantly at all, right? It used to be, in, in the old days, <laughs> in my <Yeah>. days <laughs> uh, if you had four megs of RAM, you were just dying to get to eight megs. And when you had... Uh, one gig of RAM, you wanted to get to four gigs, and you know, like it was always, I need more, I need more, and 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 you were you were constantly running out. You're having to make uh, you know capitulate various places to try and and just get to uh, maximum performance. But 
about 10 years ago, eight gigs kind of standardized as the amount of RAM that, that people need. Yep. If you go to Best Buy or or any of the various computer stores, you'll see the majority of systems just have eight gigs of RAM and some have 16. It's pretty rare to find a system with 32 gigs of RAM in a store. Yeah, and the price difference from like when you jump above that eight gigs to something else, it's like, cool, you know, four or five, maybe 600 bucks for an, a nice little system. I need 60. Uh, I'm going to need some money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. It jumps up. <laughs> yeah. When the motherboards that were buying support easily, 32 and even 64 in a lot of cases, uh, you know, so you can have quite a bit of memory, but we just kind of stopped. Yeah. And there's a few reasons for that. Part of it is technology. One big driver was like when you go from 8 gigs to 16 gigs of RAM, or actually 16 to 32, uh, you have to have a different chipset controller, and it's not as energy efficient. Yeah. So for people that are going for long battery life, this is why Apple tried to hold people at 16 gigs for so long, was they wanted that, that long battery life. Uh, the other thing is the push towards cloud computing. People use their local resources far less. In fact, most people just live in a web browser and that's it. If you're a video gamer, it's a different story. But if you're a regular user, you just need a web browser. And your web browser is a memory hog, right? Like Chrome will sit there and eat up 8 gigs all day long, but it won't eat up 32 gigs or 64 gigs of RAM. Uh, it just it doesn't, it doesn't spread out that way. So it's interesting to finally see something that's going to drive a little bit of, of a hardware push. Microsoft is saying, hey, we're rolling out the... Uh, I'm having a bad memory day. <laughs> what is their AI called? Don didn't it's not take his ginkgo biloba. It's not Cortana. It's um, oh, Copilot. Copilot, yeah. So, uh, so they're, they're going to be rolling out Copilot. They're going to be putting a, a key on the keyboard for Copilot. Your machine needs the hardware to drive that. Here's our minimum. Got to have 16 gigs of RAM, and you've got to have an AI processor, either your, your general purpose CPU or a GPU, that can handle 40 trillion operations per second. That That's their big push. This is kind of drawing a line in the sand, and, and so we'll start seeing where stores are moving to that as the minimum standard. How are we going to afford these devices, Don? <laughs> I, I think it'll be surprising how quickly that price drops. Oh, that'll, yeah. that will be nice. <laughs> you think so? Huh. I, uh, this is unrelated. I'd like to point out the lizard has disappeared. He's uh -oh. gone. So that's hey. what you think. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> crawling up your leg. <laughs> Don, go to break. <laughs> So you, you made the comment that companies are kind of tacking AI onto everything nowadays because it's it is it's a buzzword. It's it like is. you hear it everywhere. It is. is there something specific about these PCs that would justify them being like, oh, they're AI PCs? Yep. So what's going on is the companies that are behind these big AI pushes, right? And I don't mean open AI, even though they're at the forefront of it. Open AI is getting money from a ton of other places, right? Microsoft is pumping billions of dollars into open AI and giving them access to Azure servers, right? Uh -huh. Like an almost blank check. When when Microsoft says they gave $3 billion, or I think it was $3 billion in cash, and then there was like another $8 billion, which was Azure services, yeah. right? They were getting like credit. Those companies are now realizing when they roll this this AI technology out, and, and my, my motto on this is most AI is BS. Uh, <laughs> so when they roll out this BS to most people, they're realizing, wait a minute, that's requiring a ton of CPU, RAM, GPU access. Like it's it's expensive to run all this AI stuff. And so if we want to make this work, we've got to start pushing some of the work down to client machines. 
we've got to start getting the client CPUs to contribute to really bolster up up the uh, amount of hardware that we have and not require it all to be on the back end. So I think that's the push here is they can't rely on client machines to do any real work because most client machines don't even have an AI capable processor, better yet, uh, a strong enough one to be able to do something meaningful. So now we're starting to see that that change a little bit. Did you see this um, AI ship that they're no. planning on doing? Like they, they want to they want to build this giant ship with a massive AI farm that they're taking out into international waters to avoid these AI government regulations that they've been building because you're in international waters now. You're basically your own floating island and you can right. do whatever you like. And to take, kind of beat the brakes off of what they can and cannot do with AI. And it looks uh, really scary. <laughs> and, and they bought 10,000 NVIDIA, NVIDIA H100s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who's yeah. financing that? Uh, it, it's this Dell complex hopes floating its computer clusters in the middle of the ocean will allow it a whole new level of autonomy. That is, if the company is even real. Oh, great. <laughs> so this is this is another like uh, crypto rug pull type yeah, thing, right? Yeah, I have no idea what the <laughs> hell is going on with this. It's just crazy. Uh, uh, one of those H100s running something like Stable Diffusion, and all the other ones are Bitcoin mining. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well, uh, I just, I, I hadn't heard of Dell Complex, so I pulled up their webpage. Um, it's loading incredibly slow, so right now it's just it's a black not running on AI. Page. Well, I imagine my tab is now crypto mining. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. That's, that's what's happening. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll come back to it if it pops up. Yeah. Oh, I closed it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll take that's that challenge. Fine. You know, yeah. that, yeah. my laptop has 32 gigs of RAM, yeah. so I should be able to handle yeah, the Dell Complex uh, web page. Well, as a podcast that, you know, really is passionate about artificial intelligence because all of our intelligence is artificial, um, this is obviously, you know, means a lot to us. So maybe we will come back to it. We'll have to see if that tab loads right. for us by the I've, end of I've the... turned off my ad blocker and I've started loading the page. I'll let you guys know when it loads. Uh, how oh, much good. Bitcoin did you find? <laughs> <laughs> Take away the, the uh, inhibitors. That's great. Well, we've got uh, one more article in this half of the show, and this one is definitely more in the in the world of Linux. So hopefully Don and Daniel can break this one down for me. But it comes to us from Pharonix, and it says, Ubuntu Linux working on installer support for NVMe over TCP? Uh, NVMe. NVMe over TCP. Yep. So what is it about this article? that why, why did you think this was something that was important for us to cover? All right. Uh, uh, two, two things here. So one, it's just neat, right? So it, it's a new thing that's coming in Ubuntu. Uh, we're getting close to the release of Ubuntu 24.04, which is the next long-term support release. I know I mentioned that like a month ago or whatever, uh, but we are merely two months away, two and a half months away from, from when that releases. So betas are starting to roll out and, and that will be the next version of Ubuntu that we run for a, a period of years, right? They'll support it for five to 10 years. So that that's kind of a, a big deal in and of itself. And they're rolling out a feature to have it where with the installer, you can do a, an Ubuntu 24.04 install using NVMe over TCP to where your local computer just has to have enough storage for the UEFI BIOS. So, you know, like a 64 megabyte partition on something, it can be an SD card. And all of its storage beyond that, the, the operating system and everything can be stored over the network and accessed via NVMe over TCP. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, if you have a server farm and you want headless computers, if you want computers with no storage, you want to have a centralized pool of storage, like this facilitates that and it's really cool. The other reason I grabbed this is 
prior to reading about it, I, I had never heard of NVMe yeah, or TCP. I, I'm like, this is new to me, Don. <laughs> and, and I'm surprised because it's not new. It's actually been out for a couple of years. And Listen, Linux compu has... Computer go burr. That's all I know. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so there's been uh, Linux kernel support for it for like two years now. Uh, now, I, I have worked extensively, uh, extensively with iSCSI. Right, yeah. Daniel, you you've yeah. used that SAN storage but, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yep. So you know, normally when you get a SAN, uh, a storage area network, you have like a, a fiber, uh, uh, they call it a fabric or a switch yeah. fabric in between the storage and your servers, and you have HBAs that connect it all together, and and it uses whatever whatever communication protocol that particular SAN was designed for. Many of them just use the SCSI language right. right over the fiber directly to the devices, so everything just looks like SCSI drives on your system, and that's it. Well iSCSI just takes all that SCSI traffic and wraps it up in a TCP IP wrapper and throws it on a network. It's not as efficient as doing native communications, but it frees you up to be able to have a much more diverse and distributed network. So iSCSI is, if you're going for performance, not what you want, right? You want native SAN supported storage connections. But if you're going for flexibility, like you need multiple data centers or you're building in redundancy, you need more than one path to get from point A to point B, iSCSI gives you a lot of flexibility, but it's using the SCSI transport language, which is old, right? Uh, SCSI technology, <laughs> yeah, and, and it has not changed significantly in 30 years. You know, I, I talk about POP3 and IMAP, yeah. SCSI hasn't it's changed literally much. older than Sophia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fact. It's um, not saying much. Now, NVMe... <laughs> NVMe is the new storage communication method that's used in, in most of our devices, right? So I think all three of us, our laptops have NVMe in them. Uh, if you have a desktop, likely it's using NVMe now. Any, any system made in the last five to seven years is typically going to be using NVMe storage or, or getting there. Well, they've made it where NVMe can be shuttled over TCP just like iSCSI. And they're getting pretty decent performance out of it. And so, you know, this is a chance to move away from older iSCSI and implement newer NVMe over the network. Now, I don't think it's quite ready yet for full-blown production use as far as like, you know, if, if you're going to build something that would normally be an iSCSI SAN, uh, the iSCSI initiator clients are really mature, really stable. The NVMe over TCP clients, that's a little more cutting edge, right? But it's coming down the line and it's it makes sense that this would be the logical successor to iSCSI. Yeah, so. and uh, I'm, I'm thinking now like all the hardware that it took to get those SAN devices working and, yeah. you know, the gigabit switches that came out at the time and the, the network adapters that had a TCP offload and engine. Then yep. The, the shelf that you had to stick all those hard drives into, it probably weighed 200 pounds. It was massive, but NVMEs are these little chips, like a Ram chip, yeah. right? Yep. So think of how much storage you can now reclaim and, and reduce the size of your racks. If you're racking and stacking, I'm looking at Western digital blacks for 99 bucks for a terabyte. Yeah. I get, you know, 10 of those. I've got a pretty good storage thing going on there. And you, you can get a little box the size of an Intel nook yeah. that holds 16 drives in it. Crazy. And, and there's your, your sand. The, the biggest challenge they have is heat. Ah, so yeah, these right. drives run a lot hotter than the even the old 15k RPM drives, yeah, yeah. Uh, which put out some decent heat. Yeah, NVMe's put out way more heat, and so when you when you consolidate a bunch of NVMe disks in one small location, you've got to have active cooling. You got to have fans. Yeah. 
you've got to have heat sinks on yeah. each NVMe disk. And so when you look at like the Dell or HPE solutions that are out there, you'll see that where the NVMe's look bigger because they've got heat sinks kind of just directly screwed on. Yeah, them. you ever see where you can get those basically like a portable enclosure for an NVMe? They they look like Big heat sink. Like one big heat sink. Because yeah. that's exactly what it is. And you slide your NVMe in there, you get a USB C connection, and bam, you're good to go. But that's kind of cool. But yeah, they do generate a little bit of the old heating. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So if you're looking at vendors like uh, NetApp and, and other people like that that make these network attached storage and, and SAN type solutions, uh, NVMe is, is the way of the future on this. And NVMe over TCP is a way to stop having to translate that language from the client to the host. It can be NVMe all along the path. And kind of going back to the article, the article's talking about how not necessarily so much about NVMe over TCP, but more of the installer, like making this a little bit more user-friendly to let you be able to install this and get yep. it working, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is intended for server workloads, not for like, they don't want your <laughs> average desktop running this way. But imagine you had like, I don't know, uh, a little Raspberry Pi cluster. Yeah. You could have five Raspberry Pis with no local storage. They, they can just use their- uh, That would be awesome. Their NVRAM or whatever to store the UEFI or, or however, you know, they boot to then reach out and connect and just load the operating system off the network. You, you say Raspberry Pi. I, I've come up with a project for my wife. You know, she's got, a, she's got an older van and the kids, you know, they, they have uh, DVD headrests, but my son is a tyrant. <laughs> and he wants to control what goes on these things. I'm like, I think I could take a Raspi, a fast, small USB, and like an old access point, put it all together inside of like a tackle box with a with a power supply, plug it all in, and just build like a media server. And they just connect to the access point when they get inside the car. And on that little small USB drive would be movies and TV shows and things of that nature. And now you can watch whatever the heck you want to watch and homeboy don't have to control <laughs> how that goes down. <laughs> he can watch whatever he wants. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to overcome issues with technology. That's, that's me. I'd be curious well, to know if you tried that, if it actually worked. Be, I've just got to figure out, like I've never, so I, I would, I would install like Ubuntu or whatever onto the Raspi, then install Apache and then figure out how to get, I'm sure I can do it within like a couple of days as far as like figure out how to get Apache to serve streaming video and give them, um, you know, a menu that they can go to. There's going to be a website and just go to the website and then pick their movie and click on it. That's, that's the idea. Mm. Well, well, for those of you who've been waiting with bated breath, the <gasps> Dell complex webpage has loaded. Did it. And uh, if I didn't have any background information, I would think that this is a company that sells stock art because, <laughs> because <laughs> they have a lot of stock. They art. sure have a lot of stock art. Uh, but yeah, it, it, they, they've actually got pictures of the pallets of NVIDIA H100 servers. So they're not just talking the talk. They've actually secured some of the, the hardware. Prompt engineer, um, Dell Complex. Yeah, prompt engineer. That's, yeah. The, That's the new thing. Uh, it, it, I can't imagine that's going to be a real career for long. Bro, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go to Indeed right now and see. <laughs> I, I know what for that a fact like. companies are hiring I just, prop I engineers just want to right see now. Like what they're running right now, because <laughs> if it's lucrative, it's yeah. going to continue. Right? It, it, they'll build certifications around it, and they'll they'll maintain that as much as they possibly can. Yeah, I, I think it'll end up being like SEO. Uh, what do they used to call themselves? SEO engineers or oh, something like where that, where they focus on search engine optim optimization yeah. and. And then they realize, like, well, everybody can game the system. You don't actually need a, a 
It's like you a specialized education for you that. Yeah. yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, SEO engineers just became prompt engineers. Done. <laughs> Done. If you do go find something on the Indeed job board, I, I want to know what you oh, find. Sure. I want to know what they're. We can we can always come back to it, but yeah, during during this first half of the show alone, we gained a web page and we lost a lizard. So I'm feeling a little bit uh, emotional right now, and hopefully we can find that lizard during the break. We'll go ahead and uh, <laughs> we'll take a short break, give Daniel some time to pull up those job boards, and when we come back, we'll see what he finds here on Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking with us through that break. I know you're looking forward to hearing what Daniel found on those job boards. But first, I want to remind you that if you are watching from YouTube, we'd love to hear from y'all. If you haven't already subscribed, feel free to do so so you never miss an episode of Technado. And if you're enjoying this episode so far, leave a like, leave a comment. And if you are listening on a uh, podcast platform like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we so appreciate you. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Now, Daniel. Do you happen to remember what you found on the job boards? Anything so, yeah, interesting? Well, I've got it sitting right in front of me, oh, so I don't have okay. to remember it. I can, <laughs> just, I can read. It's <laughs> a first. Uh, okay. I know, right? I'm getting really good at the reading thing. I don't have to sound huh. out as much anymore. So I'm proud. It's going to be great. Uh, so it ranges from around 50000 a year to 280000 a year, depending. It's quite the range. Yeah, it's yeah. quite the range. For a prompt engineer, which... It'll take a little while for businesses to realize that a prompt engineer is not really any different than somebody who just knows how to use Google really well. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that doesn't have a cool job title. Like, I'm a Google search engineer. Listen, that, they know how to train the GPT. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's to crazy. Get the answer they're looking Almost for. Almost 300. Do you think that's just because it just depends on the company? I don't know, but my resume is in for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you put Don as a Open reference. Open to work on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have a uh, an AI project going on at our, yeah. our day job. And the the idea is that it will be trained on all of the content that, that we made, all of our, our transcripts and so on. So we can give it can give answers and it can reference where it came from on a particular show. Yeah. Um, it's got some problems. It, it, you know, it's not even an alpha yet. It's not ready for customers. And uh, but it's got some problems. It is, it's got some problems. And so I have this test question that I use every time I, I log into the system to see how it's doing. I ask it, "What is two plus two? That, okay. That's the question. Some days I get nothing because it's broken. Other days I get various things. Potato. Um, <laughs> The project's been going on for a few months now, and, and there, there's other priorities that are being worked on. So I, I don't want the listeners to think like there's people working on this every single day. Yeah. It's, but it's never told me four. And and yesterday was the best because it gave me a five-paragraph response all about arithmetic and, and how this was an addition problem, how we were combining two numbers. And if I had two apples and I added two apples more, all this stuff— and it never told me that it would be four. <laughs> it just, it's, it's all the theory behind why you could come to an answer. It was it was like listening to a politician. And it was kind of eye-opening for me because I was like, there's a job field that is going to be disrupted. Like, <laughs> there's nothing a politician can do that I mean, AI it, couldn't. It might already have. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh boy. It's yeah, I do enjoy going in and just asking yeah. you know, things like ChatGPT random questions just to see what it says. And yeah, sometimes it gives me an answer. I'm like, okay, that's fair. And sometimes it's like, how are people relying on this to cheat on exams? I, I like to insane. ask it epistemological questions because that gets really fun. <laughs> Is well, that contagious? Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is there such a thing as objective truth? And oh. then it gives me an objective truth answer saying that, no, there's no such thing as objective truth. And I'm like, how are you not being circular? <laughs> I uh, And this is maybe a little bit twisted for me. I like how in, in ChatGPT, if you stay in the same question, yeah. right, so don't start a new conversation, and you keep asking it things, it gets like progressively more and more twisted yeah. as you go, and that's entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good well, time, man. There's it's a great way to pass some, yeah. some yeah. time. Leave it to Don and Daniel to confuse the robots. It's, wow, Ooh. we love to see it. We'll add a new. They're segment. coming after our prescription medications. This, yes, <laughs> the least and we they can will. do. <laughs> and they will. And they will. <laughs> well, we do have some. Uh, as Don said, there was a lot of security news this week, so we do have a, a couple of things that we wanted to touch on and go over. This article comes to us from Bleeping Computer, and it says court charges Dev with hacking after cybersecurity issue disclosure. And this is interesting because what was it? This guy was trying to report an issue, and he it ended up backfiring, and then he was the one that got arrested and convicted. Uh, has he been convicted already? I know he was I don't arrested. Know. He, wa he was. He convicted. was convicted. All right. Yeah. Well, well he's, he is in appeals. Okay. At this point. Huh. All right. So you know, laws vary from country to country, and the United States has a different set of laws around some of this stuff. So this situation would play out differently depending on where it happened. In this case, it happened in Germany, and Germany has some very, very strict, almost draconian rules around like crime and and punishment. And in this case, what happened is. There was a company that was using third-party software, and it had a problem. It wasn't working right. And they they had a cybersecurity researcher take a look at it. You know, or was it a, was it a part of a pen test, or was it part no, of troubleshooting? They, they, they said their logs were like filling up a lot. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so he was trying to figure out why. Yeah. And so he started looking at the binary, and he knew it had to connect to a database server because that's you know where all these log messages were being generated about. And he looked at the binary and. In plain text, the database credentials are right there in the binary. So he was able to extract those and, out. And I want to say he probably just ran some tool like strings, right? He probably just strings the tool or, or the binary. And and any, you know, readable ASCII text is going to pop out from that, which happened to be one of those things was the yep. password to the database. And so then he logged into the database. Now, the database was at the third-party provider's services. It was like a cloud right. delivery. This is where he entered some legal gray areas. Right. Because once he logged into that database, he didn't just see his company's data. He saw every company's data that used that company's software. And so he did the responsible thing. He notified them. He said, look, guys, you've hard-coded credentials. They're in plain text. Somebody can log in and have access to all of your data. And that company then said, oh, you hacked us and and reported it and he got arrested. And uh, if he got in 3000 euros, he was ultimately fined. OK. Mm -hmm. And any uh, jail time? Uh, no jail time. OK. The, the judge said that he had a spotless record up until now and he took that into account and therefore only charged him with 3000 euros as a fine for this. And it's like, well, thanks. I appreciate you, judge. What I would have really appreciated was the. Obviously, I'm not doing anything malicious. I was just trying to figure out why this system was acting in the way it was acting right. for my clients. And then when I disclosed that, you know that anyone can 
access this server and all of its records, all of your other clients are also aggregating logs to this database server. You probably should do about that. You threw the middle finger up at me yep. and called me a hacker. So I let the world know you have a security issue and then you brought me up on charges. So, I mean, obviously there is some, you know, it's not as cut and dry as whether or not this person is, is uh, guilty of doing something malicious. I, I don't think that you can, because a lot of times with crime, you have to prove intent, right? right? And I think that this is one of those cases where you'd have to prove malicious intent and he had none. You could not prove malicious intent on this. He had uh, a perfectly legitimate reason for trying to figure out why things were doing what they were and accessing, accessing the systems that he did. He disclosed any kind of security issues that he found with all the parties involved. He was not trying to utilize this for malicious purposes. Right. So it would seem that if I was a judge in this case, and that's the whole purpose of being a judge, is to judge whether or not something malicious was intended in what happened. If you do not find that to be true, it's the onus is on you as a judge to use your power to say, listen, you did cross a line here, but you know, I'm not going to say the ends justified the means or anything. So maybe we've, we've, we've got you for a lesser crime, but we're not going to throw the full extent of law. Maybe that's what this judge did. We don't have all the full details on what's going on. Not no. in this article anyway. I didn't run it down to figure out what went on. But well, so in this case, the even if the judge believed that, yeah, um, he didn't He's have the flexibility, the yeah. right? And what it comes, and this is like pedantics or whatever. We, a lot of times they do, though. Uh, they do. Yeah, yep. I don't but know what goes on in Germany. The way this <laughs> this law is written is they divide up. You know, if 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 you're a hacker, right? They, yeah. they need to be able to penalize you, and they divide it into two parts. And so one is uh, if you secure even for yourself. One, yeah. passwords or other security codes enabling access to data, and that's what happened here. And two, software for the purpose of committing such an offense, mm -hmm. right? So in this case, you could say, well, he wasn't like trying to commit an offense, right. but he did secure a password, two separate things. But they are two different bullet points in the law, and right. one is it's cut and dry. He, yeah, he did he, he exactly that. A, he crossed the yeah. line, per se. Yeah, And and that's that's an old story. Uh, if you think about like Kevin Mitnick yeah. way back in the 90s where he he – I'll say broke, I'm doing air quotes here for yeah. the listeners. Uh, he broke into AT&T's network. Well, he just found a modem he could dial into and he and was dialed in. dialed it, yeah. And once he was in there, he found source code and other things, right? And technically, even at that time, it wasn't really committing a crime, but he downloaded their information. And right. once he made a copy of their data, it became theft. Right. And that was ultimately what what got well, him. It was like that, um, that internet troll guy, Little Weave or whatever his name was back in the... Yeah, yeah, he's fine. He was an internet just like his claim to fame was being an internet troll. He got arrested because I forget. I want to say it was Apple on Apple's website. Once you were logged in, I could be wrong on this. So fact check me on that. He was able to, you know, you get the ID equals 472. Well, he changed it to 473 and he was able to look at that user's ID uh, and and manipulate their data and, and view their data. And he disclosed that and they said, you hacked the system. He's like, I just changed the number in the browser, in the page that you gave me. That's all I did. Nope, that's hacking, and mm. they arrested him. So this isn't the first time we've seen something, yeah. uh, what seemingly is innocuous. I see Sophia's face. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I have the right person. No, you probably do if your face is like that. He's <laughs> When I say an internet troll, I mean... That's like... That's being kind. That's a little bit of an understatement. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I won't go into detail then. Total, That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as far, as far as this story goes, because I don't, th- I'm not going to get into that. But as far as this story goes, um, it is interesting because, like you were talking about, at least here, I know it's obviously a different country, so they've got different set of laws and whatever. But yeah, you would think you'd have to prove criminal intent. And if this guy had any criminal intent, he's the worst criminal of all time because he committed a crime and then immediately was like, "Look what I did!" Yeah, like, yeah. why on earth would you do that? I feel like this just all this would serve to do is. Okay, well, I guess if I find something like that, I better just not say anything. Yeah. And you're it's almost like you're punishing people for doing well, the right thing. It's like the coal fire hackers, right? Oh the yeah. Coal fire um not hackers, I Where guess. They, they were, were doing the pen physical pen test. They were doing a physical pen yep. test on a courthouse that they had authorization to do, and then they got into basically like a jurisdictional pissing match over who had jurisdiction over that courthouse and they got arrested and they sat in front of the judge and the judge was like the state doesn't have, or, or the county doesn't have jurisdiction. The state does, and I'm a state judge, and therefore you're going to jail. Mm. So you didn't have permission from the right people. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. go listen to that Darknet Diaries episode. Listen to those guys tell that story. Made me think I was taking crazy pills mm. because here they are trying to do something good, increase security. And they're basically getting railroaded for it. Yep. And yep. it took lawyers and money and a lot of time to get them out of that legal hot water. Yep. Jeez. It's a shame that it works that way, but yeah. that, that is the response yeah. to a lot of company or that a companies take is, yeah. you know, they, they want to, they, they want to not disclose a, a breach. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a good segue to the next article. <laughs> I was uh, they they, yeah. they want to not disclose a breach. So they'd rather uh, punish the messenger. Yeah. Yeah. They'll teach you. Well, like Don said, speaking of uh, disclosing a breach, we'll go ahead and jump into our next segment. This is Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! Great segue there, Don. Appreciate that. This comes to us from Ars Technica. Microsoft network breached through password spraying by Russia state hackers. This has like every buzzword in it. Ever. Besides AI. All <laughs> AI, it's missing yeah, is AI. Yeah. yeah. So wh- what's uh, what's the full story here? Um. The headline kind of sums it up, right? As yeah, far as, as what happened, right? Password spraying. So they they used existing passwords that were in other breaches. No, that that's not password spraying, right? That's credential stuffing. Oh wait, I'm mixing yeah. this up. Credential stuffing is when I take passwords from known breaches to see if you're reusing those passwords in other places. Password spraying is where I take the most commonly used passwords <laughs> and attempt them against your system. And those I, are I, most it, common, so they were. They're, if they're saying this was password spraying, then that's what happened. I don't. I read the article, and it seems like they were unsure of whether it was credential stuffing or password spraying. But either way. Yeah, just well, as they exploited a weak password, but it yes. doesn't make clear whether it's somebody's weak password or just a weak password. Correct. And what I wanted to touch on, you, you just kind of tapped on it there, Daniel, is um, they haven't given us a ton of details on it because they don't have it yet. This is actually a pretty rapid disclosure from Microsoft. And a few months back, we talked about the new SEC ruling that said if you are a publicly traded company in the United States of America and you have a data breach, you have to disclose it to your investors within four days. And uh, at the time, we said, you know, this is is pretty interesting because it it applies to publicly traded companies. Private companies don't have to do it. but if you've got investors, if you're regulated by the SEC, you now have to disclose this. Here in the U.S., prior to that, we didn't have any disclosure laws of any sort. In, in Europe, they do. In in the U.S., we haven't. This SEC ruling was the first one. And, and at the mm. time, we said, I, I wonder how this is going to shake out. Here it is. Here's a great <laughs> example. So Microsoft has had a breach. And I can guarantee you, normally they would not have told us about this at all. 
right? Mm-hmm. They would say, well, it was one of our employees that was compromised, so we don't have to disclose that. And then we'll do research and find out what the hacker was able to access. And, oh, you know, now we'll just notify affected customers. Listen, Don, and- first rule of Fight Club. Nobody talks not about, talk Fight, about Club. Fight Club. That's right. <laughs> Second rule of Fight Club. You do not talk about <laughs> Fight Club. See, a lot of you are breaking rules one and two. <laughs> yep. The SCC is kind of making us. <laughs> so uh, I think I think this is, is a good thing, personally, yeah, right? You absolutely. Know, because there's companies, like we were just talking about in that last article, where they don't want to do the disclosure. They're worried about that PR hit, and they'd rather like get it under a rug as fast as they can. Here, they've got to come out. And so Microsoft had to come out and say, look, we detected a breach on January 12th. And then they came out with a, a public release, or they, they have to file a form with the SEC, and that's public. Man, I I hope to see the day when public pressure to disclose when breaches occur and be open and honest about what happened. And yep, people make mistakes as long as they were trying as as hard as they possibly could. Listen, you're not going to get everything. We we have figured that out at this point, right? If Apple can't do it, and Microsoft obviously can't do it, and Google can't do it, and all these other companies can't do it, then it can't be done perfectly. That's all there is to it. You can throw all the money in the world at it that you want because there are those that have that kind of money, and they're still unable to stop these breaches from occurring. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're doing everything you can do and continually trying to improve those processes, I'm not going to be mad at you if you get breached, right? If it was something dumb, then I'm going to be mad at you. Right. Right. And because you now have to, if we're disclosing, now I know whether or not you did something stupid and that caused that breach. And that should cause the pressure for comp- for for people, individuals that utilize your systems to say, hey, you're trying to be shady about stuff. I don't trust you anymore to the leper colony with you. That's ultimately the way it needs to kind of go. Right. And if you want to get out of out of like, you know, jail or whatever you want to call it from being uh, blacklisted by everybody because you're no longer going to be shady. Okay. Well now there's a path to, there's a path to forgiveness. And if you want to be forgiven, you're going to do the right things now. And then we can start utilizing your product again. I just want to make sure I heard that right. Did you say leper colony? Leper colony with you. Do we have a time machine? Yes. So while you were talking, it gave me a chance to look up the form. What, what I would like to see out of this is, is right now, if a company has a breach, Right, they make an announcement. Let's use LastPass as an example because I think we would all agree that was a pretty bad breach. Yeah. Right, but it's been over a year now. People forget. Right. Short memories. <laughs> and LastPass is still doing marketing. There's plenty of people that use it, and if they didn't move away before now, then they're not going to move away, and they stay on it. And yeah. and people forget. Right. It just becomes a thing of the past. Breaches have been happening for decades. And, and, you know, Hey, like Daniel said, sometimes people make mistakes. It's a one-time thing. Yeah, we, we failed here, but we fixed it and now we're good. Right. Mm -hmm. What this new reporting structure puts in place is within four days of a breach, they have to file a form. It's called a form eight K with the sec. It goes on that that's in the public record, right? It's filed with the sec. The government has that data. What we can do in the future. So like five years from now, is I could say, you know, let me pull all the 8Ks that Microsoft has submitted. Mm. And now I can see that track record because we don't really have that right now. Um, Companies like RSA, right? Mm. RSA, that breach, it's been over 10 years since they had theirs. That was, in my opinion, the worst, most significant cybersecurity compromise in in the history of my career Mm. uh, because 
RSA was pushing out these hardware tokens and the private keys for all of their tokens got compromised and they were used in all of our highest level, highest protection environments throughout the government, throughout the military. And I don't see the problem done. And the, <laughs> the, the government, and, and this is all, this is yeah, fact, this not me making this yeah. up, but uh, the, you know, the government actively suppressed that news story because it impacted our national security. Right. And so they effectively, I, I'll say covered it up, but it wasn't like a, who assassinated like, JFK yeah, kind not of thing. a Fox Mulder kind of. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so after a few years, when the data started coming out, which is now like, we can see what happened, people have forgotten about that. And RSA still runs one of the biggest cybersecurity conferences in the, in the industry. That's uh, true. So, you know, we need a way to be able to see that track record, to be able to see that history. And I, I think this system is, is kind of creating a pathway to that. One of the comments says, F up, move up. <laughs> Expect them to be given new leadership positions. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that is kind of how that works. Have you seen, you've, you've seen Pentagon Wars, right? Oh, yeah. With Carrie yeah, Always. That was super awesome. Uh, it, it's it's a story about how the the Bradley troop carrier was designed. and A true story. And there's there's these generals that are like doing huge cost overruns and bureaucratic nightmare and all that. And there's this one... Was he a colonel? I think he was a colonel. Yeah. Um, it's kind of over the whole entire project. Who Who's there as like a auditor, a monitor. And he he comes in and he looks at all this and he sees all the madness that's going on and he reports it and so on. And at the end of the movie, uh, a little spoiler, yeah. uh, they do a report on like, you know, what happened to these people? And all the generals that were involved got promoted. <laughs> and Carrie Owe's character, the auditor who, who reported on all this stuff, uh, discharge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I love this scene. Kelsey Grammer was one of the, the generals. Yep. He was the head general. Asked him, well, how much have we spent on this? And he's like, like $204 billion. And he's, and the judge is like, you said $204 million. He goes, no <laughs> billion. <laughs> so it was something yeah. crazy amounts of money and it doesn't work. And it's a death trap. And they every audit proved that it was a complete failure and they just kept going, well, what we need to do is, mm. and instead of just scrapping the project or starting from the ground up, they would just continually try to like change it. Yeah. And then they would ask for more money because, oh, now we got to change this thing. And yep. What's they, the name of this movie? Uh, Pentagon Wars. Pentagon Wars. Yeah. It's really good. It, it's pretty funny. It was on Netflix. I, I watched it on Netflix, yeah. so it's okay. probably there. But, so uh, add it to the list then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there, there are scenes, in, like the one you're referencing, because it kind of coughs to cover up yeah. the B at first. Yeah. And, and you think that's made up. That is straight from the congressional investigation records. Like yes. they use the transcripts. Like wow. it, it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it's sad and it's kind of depressing, but it's also funny as hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you can get past the fact that it's kind of real, then yeah. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. So now this, I know we've got we got another article we want to get through real quick. Uh, I, I just I just have a, a uh, an inquiry, I guess. So. I know that there's been some talk the last, I guess, couple of months um, around the office at our day job about, oh, Microsoft is having people change their um, their authenticator. Like, you, if you're using a third-party authenticator app, you're going to have to switch to Microsoft's uh, authenticator. Yes. Or if you're using SMS, you've got to use their authenticator, right? They're being real. They're trying to get real strict about it, right? Yeah. But I, I'm looking at some of the you know input that people had on this, and this at the nature of the attack, a successful password spray attack, would suggest that there was no two-factor authentication. So Correct. interesting that... We're all having to use specifically Microsoft's 2FA app, and uh, their, evidently their they are not. Their response to that was, these are old test environments mm. that are also connected to our production environment. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, they said that the, the Russian attackers were able to pivot into 
Microsoft's larger environments, yeah. but no customer data or, right, sure. you know, uh, the other, the, the critical systems were, so no signs of mm-hmm. access to those. Yeah, totally, totally, and totally. Remember, mm-hmm. step one, deny. <laughs> deny, yeah. deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Their, uh, their quote is, it was a legacy non-production test tenant account. That was connected uh, to the internet. That's as many words as you stick, can stick on there to make it sound insignificant, yeah. but it's a foothold. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, somebody said, why, why give that test account such great privileges if it's just a test account? So a great question. Yep. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Our, our test account's a full-blown domain admin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, did they used to work for an insurance company? <laughs> well, uh, maybe we'll get some more detail on this in the future. But I mean, I guess on the bright side, it was a pretty quick disclosure i guess um because it was what they i don't know relatively speaking yeah. Yeah, as, as far as we know hey, well, at least we heard about it right yeah. that's true at least as vaguely as possible they told us something which is yeah. more than more than we can ever really if, hope for anything i know about microsoft is they do not like talking about breaches or anything yeah. they mm-hmm. they i don't even think you're I was reading like a form or something, and some Microsoft engineers were like, we're not even allowed to say the word oh yeah like oh. zero day and stuff was on their banned yep. word list yeah interesting i remember yeah. that Wow, that's a little concerning, but yeah. okay, yeah. Which there's deny. a listen. Deny <laughs> if we don't say it, it doesn't exist. It sounds like some Orwellian stuff. Yeah, we don't. Oh boy. we don't say we were breached by an attacker. We say that we had a uh, a, a network visitor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. Yeah, they so kindly pointed yeah. out that we had a security issue, and uh, yeah. yeah, we yeah. took care of it. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot about that story that uh, doesn't really make sense. And speaking of. This next segment is called Don't Make No Sense. It wasn't quite as good as your segue, but I'm, I'm doing my best. So this one comes to us from Malwarebytes. The mother of all breaches, 26 billion records found online. Uh, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, come it's on, a lot there's of no births. way. <laughs> 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 he said it's so, the mother of all breaches. It's a weird way to put it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, when I first read this, I was like, oh, come on. There's no way. How, you can't that many records in, in one breach. And I guess it says it doesn't seem to be from one single data breach, but a compilation of multiple breaches. But still, 26 billion records. That's <clears throat> billion. That's insane, right? Yeah. It's, po- it's uh, what was that? Um, have I been pwned? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it is interesting. There are not 26 billion people on the planet, right? <laughs> I think Daniel told me earlier that the world population was under 8 billion. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm willing to roll with that there, number. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, let's say it's 10 billion. Who yeah. cares, right? This, this is way more than the, what there are. So this is not a single breach. In fact, I, I think it's it's a bit of a misnomer to call it the mother of all breaches because it's it's likely not a breach at all. Now, I have to say likely because where did this data come from? So the the most probable story here is that you've got a a malicious threat actor operating on the dark web you know there, there's people that sell credentials right yeah. and so anytime there's a breach anytime there's a disclosure of data they aggregate it to build a bigger pool and so somebody has built a super pool <laughs> of of all of these different breaches to create one big massive data set that you can go on the dark web and purchase right now if you want 26 billion records uh, of which probably less than a billion or or actually functional but hey that that's a ton uh, <laughs> then, then you can and they go said and there's do it. most likely a bunch of duplicates 
More than likely. Yeah. So there goes your but, 10 billion right there. <laughs> but where did this come from? Right. So it could just be somebody who's been operating on the dark web and, and aggregating this stuff. Right. So you can do that. And, and Daniel, you mentioned, have I been pwned? I mean, that's yep. effectively what he does. That's is basically it. Yeah. He gathers the databases. I wonder how many records he has all together. That's altogether. a great question. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Or this could be there, there are a number of cybersecurity companies that specialize in dark web monitoring, right? Uh, in fact, my, my, uh, I have credit reporting through Equifax. Uh, <laughs> oh, hell, I can't remember the name of the company now. It shows Equifax. How much I check it. <laughs> I don't think it's Equifax. It might be. So the company you work with is not Equifax, but where they do their stuff is through, is Equifax. through Equifax. Yeah. Well, I have credit monitoring to somebody, and one of the things they do is what they call dark web or dark, yeah, dark web alerts. Yeah. And so, if my email address shows up in some kind of breach, they'll let me know, like, "Hey, whoop, your email address just showed up in this one." Right now, how do they find that out? Well, that means that they are getting the publicly disclosed databases. You know, when an attacker threatens that, like, "You pay me a ransom, or I'm going to publicly disclose this," so that that's one way they can get it when people don't pay a ransom. However, the thing they don't like to talk about is that they are usually going out and actively buying these databases. They're, they're supporting the industry that they're claiming Stopping to the, stop. Trying to fight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if we buy enough drugs, the drug dealers won't have anything to sell on the streets. We've solved the problem, so let's just go buy all the drugs. So that that's what these guys are doing, and they'll go and buy these databases. So it is possible that a cybersecurity monitoring company got breached and that their database, their treasure trove of, of data that they use to notify their customers has now been leaked out. Mm-hmm. And that would be an extra tool in the arsenal of an attacker out there. That that would make this a breach. You know, and it's interesting. This this article goes on to go in other news about leaked. I mean, it's just this little blurb about this $26 billion. Then it's like, in other news, Trilio, right, has got 15 million records. And they they go into talking about how do you define a breach? And they offer a definition of the word breach. And they say, a breach is an incident where data is inadvertently exposed in a vulnerable system, usually due to insufficient access controls or security weaknesses in the software. And that's an interesting and probably a pretty good working, walking around definition of what a breach is. And it does kind of like, if, if I put a bunch of sensitive information onto an open S3 bucket, and someone finds it, is that a breach or is that a leak? Is there a difference? At the end of the day, the end product is really no different, right? Because I've, I've either through vulnerability or negligence have exposed sensitive information to attackers and they have, they have pilfered my pockets and taken this data and are now selling it or doing whatever they do. But it's an interesting idea that, that, like, do we really care how it got into the hands of the bad guys? Yeah. Right. Just that through something of yours, either through negligence or incompetence <laughs> or both, you have you have made this available to attackers. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. So I, I just did some quick Googling. So the, the company that, that I use, uh, my, my wife manages this stuff. So that's oh, why okay. I had to look it up. Uh, it's called Identity Force, okay. which is a TransUnion product. So, you know, you got the gotcha. three big credit reporting yeah, agencies, yeah, yeah. Equifax, TransUnion, and oh, who's uh, the third I one? So. There's Cre- a third well, one. I, credit Karma, I know, does stuff, but I don't know if they're yeah, like but under. they're pulling from these credit reporting okay, agencies. Gotcha. Yeah. And there is a third one. But I think those are the two ones we t- typically see. 
Equifax mm. is is the big oh Experian, Experian is the third one gotcha. Experian Equifax and TransUnion so uh, but they're, they're all effectively the same yeah <laughs> Equifax has had the biggest breaches <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, yeah boy. good times good times so so anyhow the the, <laughs> the point is uh, this has been released twenty six billion. Interesting identities uh, that you can go and purchase. I don't know what the going rate is. Uh, yeah, obviously it's big money because people keep doing this, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you know honestly they could sell it for a hundred bucks and sell it so many times that they make a bunch of money. But they they probably sell this for man. More. I almost wish that except for like passwords and credit card and if it wasn't so easy to use that information to do like identity theft. I would almost be willing to just say, here's all my PII, and now it's worthless, <laughs> right? If everybody's got it, that, that's the idea behind, um, right, uh, value in something is its scarcity or or its, its access to it, right? So the reason gold is expensive is because there's not a bunch of it, and a few people have access to a lot of it, Yeah. right? Yeah. Same thing has got to be with our personal data. If, if we could just permeate... The vast majority of it <laughs> that's not <laughs> useful in identity theft and other schemes, that would be great because it would it would reduce the value of it, making it less valuable for companies to collect because why collect it when it's freely available? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can. Right? It's uh, one way. It, it is, but it it's. it. Oh, I know there's flaws in oh, the logic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I get it. I totally get it. Well, we got to start somewhere, Don. <laughs> and tackle the problems as they come. Yeah, yeah. One day when we get to the space communism that's in Star Trek, then we won't have to worry about this stuff. This is exactly what it is. Gene Roddenberry said as much, right? He was like, they said that on season one of The Next Generation, they were having trouble coming up with like interesting plots because there was no conflict. Gene envisioned this communist utopia of the future where no one envied each other and no one had more than anybody else. And it's like, what gets us angry? What, what's yeah. there's no conflict yeah. gene. <laughs> These are not compelling stories, sir. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a movie y'all told me about that was, I want to say Kurt Russell, but I could be wrong. And he was like some super soldier soldier. Was it Soldier where he Maybe. he gets discharged to this planet and yeah. he doesn't know what to do because there's no Soldier. conflict? Yep. yep. So there's no nothing for him to do? Yep. Well, oh, interesting. Okay. Or, or Major Payne, one of the others. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not Major Payne. It was That's definitely not Major Payne. Someone who needs some <laughs> killing. That's right. I'm sorry, Major. There's no one left. You've killed them all. <laughs> I love that movie. It's such a good flick. <laughs> I'm gonna have a list a mile long by the oh, end of man. this month uh, of movies I need to watch. You know, Major Payne is a is a, a heartwarming family film, it right? Really I mean, it is. Yeah. I watched Rounders. I know that's not one you recommended, but it's, it's a, a good flick. It yeah, like, it pushed like me out Rounders. of my. It was a different comfort zone yeah. for me. It was good. So I'm trying. Uh, Matt so, um, Damon, he's like a card shark. Okay. And I liked it. It's got some of the like narration style that like Goodfellas had. I yeah. I, I quite enjoyed it. I would recommend the it. eternal monologue of the main character. Yes, I yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, that's why I'm wearing my Boston shirt today in honor of Matt Damon. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so real real quick, this obviously the headline of this article, the mother of all breaches. It is pretty. Oh my God, it's you know kind of sensational. Is this something that you know because it's oh well it's not really one single data breach. It's probably a compilation. And then oh what what do we really call a breach? This story in general, is this something we need to be concerned about? Um, not really. So th these are 
aggregated breaches that have already happened. So you've likely already been notified. You've likely already taken action. So the only thing you can do here is if you want, you can go and buy a copy of the database. Yeah. <laughs> See what's in it. But but otherwise subscribe to Have I Been Pwned and this is mm -hmm. yeah, this is more of a don't panic. I I hate that they're calling it the mother of all breaches because it's not. Um so don't don't panic. That's called a clickbait title. Yeah. Yeah. Except, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is carried by numerous news sources at this point. Yeah. So you have yeah. like uh, the major news sources don't use clickbait titles Yeah, uh, to get yeah. you to click on their titles and go to their stuff and make money. Some of it's pretty bad. Yeah. And see, that's why you go to Technado for your tech news. Was it, because... was it CNN? If it bleeds, it leads. Right. Was that a CNN thing? Yeah. They got, they caught him on tape talking about how uh, they kept the COVID ticker at the bottom of the screen for the purposes oh, okay. of yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah. the phrase before. Afraid, yeah. yeah. So just this morning I saw a headline. Now we're going to get outside of technology. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk about the WWE for a minute, which I, I don't really follow. I loved Hulk Hogan you and stuff when I was a kid. WWE. I, when, 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 when it was WWF. When Macho Man Savage was wrestling, yes, yeah. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Rowdy Roddy Piper and stuff like that. That's Dude, what I, I loved it. Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was the best. Uh, but there was a headline this morning. I just saw it in my news feed, and it, it said, uh, WWE wrestler dies at 56, former opponent of Steve Austin. And so it didn't say his name. Right. Like, here's this this like, person who died. has died, and, and they're important enough to write an article like, hey, we, we need to acknowledge this person contributed to our society in whatever way, and uh, but we're not going to say his name. Yeah. We're, we're going to say Steve Austin because he's more popular, mm. more yeah. recognizable and you're going to have to click on this article to find out who it right, is. Because you glance over that and you say, Steve Austin died, click. Oh, and, yeah. Well, yeah. I looked at it and I said, oh, I don't know who it is. I don't care. I don't care. And, <laughs> and that's sad, right? Because a human being died. Right, right. But like, yeah. ultimately, as far as newsworthy, that's like saying, you know, George Smith of Akron, Ohio died. It's like, who the hell is George Smith? Yeah. He's yeah. an Akron, Ohio resident. I'm sure he's got a family that loved him. Yep. I don't know who he is. So how does that impact yeah. me? Yeah. You know, separated 17,000 degrees. Do you guys use the Hacker News website? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a rule that says when somebody dies, you're not allowed to editorialize in the subject line at all. Nice. And so the, all they can say is the name. And they died. So Ada Lovelace died. Gotcha. And, and that's it. Yeah. And, and I see these names pop up. I'm like, all right, who the hell is that? And you know, now I got to click and I got to do research and figure out who the person is. I'm like, no, it's not going to do it. But yeah. you know, it turns out to be <laughs> the person who invented Java, you know, or something. Well, and you're I mean, like, well, that's not, pretty significant. It's not editorializing to say the person that invented Java, Ada Lovelace, died. Yeah, that's factual statement. But they're they're super strict on it, and so they they just cut it down to a, a name. Just a, yeah, bare yep. minimum. Yeah, hey, which for them. is annoying. I like news outlets that just report the facts. And if you want to do an op-ed, that's fine. But put op-ed at the top don't try to you know pander yeah. it off as some sort of factual article that, right when that it's is your take that is a complaint i have about google news is they mark articles as opinions so they actually yeah. have a tag for it but you can't filter it out like they're the tagging are you it, kidding but me there's no way to filter out opinion and like uh, oh, probably a great way you don't use google news yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably 40 percent of the crap that's in my google news feed is it's tagged as opinion yeah. yeah which is sad. nice yeah i feel like that's just the norm now it's unfortunate well, I, I know we are, we're probably close to running a little long, but I know that in some of the previous episodes, when there's been weeks where there's a lot of stuff going on, we've kind of touched on like, oh, this and this and this happened, but we didn't go into depth on it. Was there anything that happened that was like notable that you wanted to include, but we couldn't? Oh man, you put me on the spot. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. yeah it, I'm, there, there's actually a ton of little things, but nothing, uh, <laughs> a lot of little things. <laughs> off the top kind, of my head. Kind of like I know. the, um, <laughs> the <laughs> lightning round of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I had to pare down like 12 things that happened in the cybersecurity world to mm. get down to just the three that we the reported brave on. ending yeah. the strict um, fingerprinting protection. That was an interesting Yeah, thing. that was one where they it kept breaking websites yeah. and only 0.05% of their users were actually using it. And, and so it made sense to end that. Um, you know, that I, was, asked, I asked Wes this morning because he, he said he uses uh, Edge. And I was like, isn't that like a, isn't that Chrome based? Isn't that Chrome? And he's yes. like, it's not Chrome. It's it's Edge. I go okay. I, I get that. It's not, uh, aren't they kind of like the same thing? And he said no. I said how so? He said one's Chrome and one's. I said yeah. <laughs> I get. I understand. So what is the difference between something like Edge and Chrome when, yep. when they're both using Chromium? So the the engine, the, the the web rendering engine is the same. It's the same, right? So they're they're using Chromium uh, yeah. to a server. When you get a client that comes with using one, you can't really tell the difference, right? Yeah. What's different is all the services they lay on top of it. Gotcha. So if you run Chrome, it'll synchronize all your bookmarks and log in with your Google account, and that's all stored on Google services. If you run Edge, it does the same thing, but Microsoft servers. Gotcha. So you know it, it's really just the UI that they're changing. Everything behind the scenes is the uh, same. So it's the coat of paint that's on it. Right. Gotcha. Right. Makes yep. sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was one, and, and Google had uh, that was a, a big one that we didn't really touch on here was. Um, they they finally acknowledged. Oh, by the way, when you're running in incognito mode, oh yeah, we still track you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't say. So, I never would have guessed, Don. Yeah, I thought um, I was safe, and I can start looking at you know weird stuff on the internet. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. you can. You're never safe. Yeah, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Right? You can look at weird stuff uh, on the internet. You just might have to. You might have to own up to the, it. Yeah, the Google betters might come and go. You weirdo. <laughs> Yeah. There was a there was one that Ronnie had forwarded along that um, the inventor of the network time protocol died last week. Oh, really? Yeah. He's eighty five years old, and the article says inventor of NTP protocol, which I think is funny because network time protocol protocol. But I see you posted the one about the tech employee that like filmed her firing. Yeah, hey, that, yeah. that went viral. Uh, this it was last like a week. Cloudflare employee. Yeah. Oh, she was with Cloudflare. It was yeah. They they cited that she um they said oh well it was because of performance issues and she was like well first of all I've only been here a few months every review that I've had has been she extremely every positive KPI, yeah. every yeah every KPI I met like every time I've spoken to my manager that oh, you're doing great you're exceeding expectations da, da, da. so I feel like it's not performance give me the real reason why I'm being fired if it's if you're just doing a mass layoff that's fine but then say that and they were right. like well we can't really get into that at this time. And you know, we can get to that at a later date. And she goes, you're firing me. When are we going to get into it? If after this, I'm right. done with the company I'm and done. it's pack your things and you're done. Like, so she recorded the whole thing and it was just, I know it's like HR and there's not really much they probably can do yeah. because they're limited in what they can say, but it was just, well, um, we can't really, we understand, we understand, we understand. And I could like feel her frustration. So, but anyway, I saw that it was a Cloudflare employee and I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, because well, being fired affects her job market. Right. Capabilities, right? Yeah. What happened in your last job? Well, I was fired. Were you laid off? Because being laid off is different than being fired. Right. I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. Mm-hmm. They just said yeah. you no longer work here. Yeah. You know? When it was, they said that, oh, you're fired because of performance issues. And that's way different than being that's laid right. off because you go to get a new job. And it's that's like, right. I was fired because of layoffs performance issues. Layoffs, but right. right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I just threw that in there. I, I figured maybe it wouldn't be something that we would cover, but I just, um, it just, Thought maybe y'all would want, to, would want to see that, but yeah. When I when I see the word viral in a headline, yeah. that, that usually makes me not read the article. <laughs> That's fair. Don's the antidote to that virus. <laughs> this is <yeah>. apathy. Apathy. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that I work with dads, yeah. and that that reminds yeah. me. Yeah. But yeah. So it was the one that Ronnie forwarded along was the one about the the NTP oh, man, inventor. So you know what I would do if somebody kidding, Ronnie. somebody filmed their firing. What's that? I'd fire them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, I feel like maybe that's some, maybe we should add in a segment that's like that is like rapid fire stuff that we couldn't because we do get comments sometimes yeah, that are like, oh, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about that. It's just because there's so much that yeah, there is. There's you, a you lot. can't just you take can't 10 cover it all. And run through a bunch of articles yeah. and hmm. yeah. yeah. I'll have to talk to a uh, Titus or a Christian or somebody about that and see maybe maybe that's something we can do. But for now, I mean, I, I hope that uh, hope you guys had a good time. I know we got off track a few times, but I feel like that's <laughs> that's when it's the most fun uh, right. here on TechNado. Those rabbit trails and are great. The rabbit trails are real fun. And and for those of you out there in TV land that are concerned, the the lizard has relocated to our windowsill mm. over there and uh, yes. is he's hanging sunning out. himself. Yeah. He is enjoying the sunshine. Oh, yeah. He's looking yeah. out the window at all the cars and he's having a great time. <laughs> he's like, the food is out there apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll see if I can grab him after the episode. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how it got in here, but it probably can't find its way out. He yeah, followed that, you. That's Don. how I feel. We will most save days. him. Yeah. We will save him. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll I'll, I'll get him out. I promise. Yeah. My grandma's probably watching this and she'll she'll be glad to know that he's that he'll be saved. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this riveting banter, if you enjoyed the <laughs> status updates on the lizards and the rabbit trails, uh, we'd love it if you liked this episode, if you haven't already, and consider subbing to the IT Pro YouTube channel. You can check out all the previous Technado episodes that live here, as well as all of ACI Learning's webinars and live on social events, um, previous and upcoming. We had a lot of great webinars this month. We had IT, cybersecurity, and audit webinars, so that's pretty cool. We covered all those bases, and if you missed them, you can check them out on the channel. Next Thursday, February 1st already, we have got another All Things Cybersecurity webinar. That's going to be myself, Daniel Lowry and Zach Hill. You've probably seen him here before if you've been with us for a while. Are you looking forward to that, Daniel? Absolutely. Yeah. I always have a good time hanging out with Zach. He's always got some uh, great insights on things. You know, he's always, he, his his kind of like passion in life is helping people. Mm. So he loves doing stuff like that. And I, you can tell when he comes on, he's just super excited. Just a good guy. To do anything he can to help other people that are out there. Yeah. So yeah. real really smart like and just a good guy. Zach, yeah. Which is, yeah, you know, because when you're that good at your job, you could totally be a jerk and he's not. So we appreciate that about him. And we also want to thank, again, our sponsor, ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. If you're listening from the TechNado website, you can look for that Sponsored by button. Click on that. It'll take you to the IT Pro website. And if you want to support the podcast, check out those courses. Don's mentioned our, our day job on here. That's what we do in our day job. We like to teach IT, cybersecurity, audit stuff, and we have a whole lot of fun doing it. So check those out if you haven't already. And you can use that promo code TECHNADO30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. Drop a comment. Let us know what you thought about this week's episode and what you want to see in the future. And I think that's pretty much going to do it for me. Unless I'm forgetting anything. Thinking, what can we name the lizard? Drop a comment. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, good point. Now we got ourselves a mascot. Unless, I don't know, Don, are you feeling inspired? I think we should name him Bird Food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what a what a lovely, depressing note to end you know, on. If you don't live in Florida, yeah. lizards seem pretty awesome. But in Florida... They are everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's insane how many lizards We used are. to have fun. We'd catch them, and then you can, like... Put them on your ears. Put them on your ears, you... <laughs> Gotta piss them off and they'll bite. <laughs> you put them on your ears, you're like, look at my ears. <laughs> <laughs> 80s rock stars. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of funny. Oh boy, yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're kind of harmless. They don't really do much. It's not yeah. like they come yeah, after you or anything. But they eat mosquitoes, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. But they More are everywhere. To them. We do have a lot of them. Anoles or something is like the official Anoles, name. But yeah. yeah, I'll make sure he gets out. Don't worry. And <laughs> if he's bird food, well, it's the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your insight on this episode, guys. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Technado. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, consider subscribing so you'll never miss a new episode.